Good evening, Starling City, and welcome to another Starling City Radio. Uh, this is episode 13, and I'm one of your hosts, Alistair Kennedy, and here with me tonight... Ross. Oh, he's your other host, <laughs> and a dick. <laughs> and uh, tonight we'll be bringing you all sorts of tasty things from Starling City. Unfortunately, we didn't get any questions, but I do have a discussion that me and Ross will share with you in a minute. We've got um, Moving Targets which was uh, the book for this week. We've got this week's Arrow, and Ross is going to tell us a bit more about Professor Ivo um, and the character discussion. But first, uh, since we didn't have any questions, I thought we would share how me and you predicted that Arrow, the entire run, would finish. What was it we were talking about? Oh, uh, are we talking about the uh, not the end of season two, but for the end of the five, five seasons? Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Hang on a minute. Right. You should have warned me beforehand, and I would have had all this stuff ready. But yeah, we had we had some an interesting discussion about the whole thing. Actually, it was it was quite good, and we both came up with some, I reckon, both credible theories as well as just quite good. Uh, for me, for instance, um, I have a feeling that it's. I think that Arrow will turn out to be set before Man of Steel. Um, Mainly because I think it it would be a good way for them to actually um, uh, tie into the movie universe, yet not step on the toes of the movie universe. You know, so like it, it would give them the five seasons to muck around with uh, with characters and storylines, and they can use the excuse it because it's set before Man of Steel. It's fine. So I kind of had this idea that season five would end with um, a sort of battered, beaten, and grizzled um, Green Arrow. Uh, sort of sitting at the sort of the corner of the rooftops, and he sort of like um, uh, reminisces of like sort of like the, the times that he thought were hard are now easier compared to the future that's going to happen and the future that happened with all these sort of like um, extraterrestrial beings. Obviously, that would be the hint towards Man of Steel uh, is happening around in the city, and he needs to set he needs to step up, uh, step up, and become the hero that Starling, Starling City deserves, and that's why he would then become the persona of Green Arrow. So season five would finally end with him being referred to as Green Arrow, and then that would be the uh, the end of season five, I reckon. That's my um, my idea for it. So I, finish, I, I reckon I'd, I'd, I'd be quite pleasantly surprised and, and um, impressed if it ended on, on a nice sort of subtle tone to sort of end the series that way. I, wouldn't, I don't really want to end on a bang. I want it to end nice and smooth. It'd be quite good. Hmm. See, I had a slightly different idea, but then I turned it into a combination of mine and yours, and it kind of works better that way. So um, what, I'd set, what, what I've ended up saying was my ending for season five would be better as an ending for season four. Um, I said they were going to introduce... It would be nice if they introduced the Hal Jordan character, maybe without powers, without the lantern stuff, just as Hal Jordan, a friend of Oliver. And um, they basically, at the end... It, uh, the end of season four they go on the road trip and uh, it flashes back to the city and it's got Roy taking Vertigo as we all know in the comics Roy got addicted to heroin when they were away and uh, when Oliver returns in season five he's got to repair all his relationships and get the city back on scratch and then it could end with Ross's ending like um, like after he's repaired everything and got the city uh, up to uh, working order, I'll say, but I could see if that happens, season five being a lot more Ollie going out on like a patrol rather than sort of villains of the week. Like he's going about, and he could it could have the city could have went all downhill, and there could have been muggins happen everywhere. So Roy has to go out and with it, Ollie, even though Roy doesn't like him. 
Because um, I would love to see how Jordan been introduced because I think they're going with uh, Kyle Stewart. They've been talking about um, for the not uh, yet confirmed. James, James Stewart. Who's James Stewart? Is it James, not Kyle Stewart, did you say? John Stewart. Said, it's John Stewart. Did John you know, Stewart. I, I thought you said Kyle Stewart. <laughs> no, I did say Kyle Stewart. I was meaning John Stewart. Right. <laughs> and then but, I said uh, James Stewart. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Kyle Rayner, isn't it? That's Aye, Kyle Rayner. Kyle Rayner. Yeah, it's John Stewart they're going with by the sounds of rumours. Um, so, yeah, they could easily bring Hal Jordan into Arrow if it's just going to be Hal Jordan without Green Lantern powers like Mike Grell done him himself. So, yeah, I can see both of our endings happening and I hope they really do, to be honest, now that we've talked yeah, about it. I, I mean, it's, it's not even that. I just hope that after the five seasons, we'll, we should finally see Green Arrow, mm. we should see Red Arrow, and we should see Black Canary. Like, like their full, their full forms. Like, none of this. Like, I don't want them to leave on the five seasons with us just assuming that they're going to take on the costume. I want to see all three of them being part of the costume, even if it means that, you know, Black Canary leaves Starlin City to work with the Birds of Prey somewhere else, you know, and it might end with, you know, Roy leaving. But as long as they're leaving as, like, Red Arrow and Black Canary, you know, and, you know, we're, we're finally seeing those people in the costumes and we've been building up to that, that would be great. If they don't show, like, say, for example, if they don't show uh, Roy in a Red Arrow costume or being referred to as Red Arrow, then it would be a waste of five seasons. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. But yeah. no, no, I, I'd like to see them. What do you think about how Jordan appeared in the way that I was saying? Not I'd, full of powers, like it could suggest towards his like the Green Lantern, but it would basically be Hal and Ollie. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, the fanboy of me thinks it would be great. However, looking at it, I don't know if maybe Hal Jordan is just such maybe just too much of a too much of a sort of of an A lister. Uh, for in terms of like the comic book characters to for Warner Brothers to maybe give to Green Arrow like in the to Arrow the TV show you know it would be kind of like if they decided to give you know Bruce Wayne to Arrow you know that's kind of like Hal Jordan sort of seen up there you know like John John Stewart isn't as w- as well known as sort of Hal Jordan, Hal Jordan in terms yeah. of the stuff you know in terms of how he, he's been perceived totally understandable they want to use John Stewart in terms of the films to try and move away from the Green Lantern film that had Hal Jordan in it which is understandable but I don't know if that will open up them given Hal Jordan it would be it would actually be nice if Arrow did uh, have a physical interaction with the Arrow TV show, with an A-lister, you know, like, as you said, Hal Jordan appearing. Mm. I know Bruce Wayne would never, they wouldn't do that, but no, it would be it. nice to do, like, stuff like that, you know, just just so we did have another, uh, a sort of non-powered version of that hero, you know, appearing, as you said, like Hal Jordan in his, um, in his sort of pilot uniform sort of idea, just sort of meeting up. It, it, it would just then uh, give the fans some acknowledgement that, you know, there are other, uh, there are other people out there in the universe and stuff like that, you know. That's kind of that would be quite cool to see. But in terms of Hal Jordan, I don't know if he's maybe just a little bit too big. I think depends on I, how they feel after Ryan Reynolds. Like if they're trying to get totally away from it, they might have said because obviously we know that they have meetings with the movie guys. They might have turned around and said, "Yeah, go for it. Use Hal Jordan because we're going to have uh, John Stewart, not Kyle Stewart, like I said, but John Stewart <laughs> in the movie. So feel free to use him, but um, he might be getting used." So. But then, then again, if you told me back in episode one of season one that they're going to bring yeah. in the Suicide Squad, I would have laughed in your face. So. True. I mean, like, you know, season four, season five are still like two, three, two, three years away. So you never know what could happen in the whole sort of uh, idea, you know, of like the Arrow TV. And Mm -hmm. I think it looks like it's going to hinge on the continued success of Arrow and the success of Man of Steel 2. 
I think that's what's going to hinge on whether or not we're going to see more sort of A-list comic book characters appearing into the Arrow TV show. So be interesting. And then obviously we've got to look into how the Flash is going to be um, influenced by Arrow and vice versa. So, you know, season four, we right now, as it stands, our theories for the end of Arrow as a whole are quite sound and quite, you know, probable. However, we don't really know what could change in the time zone. So maybe this time next year when we're on an Arrow, a, a, a Stalin City uh, episode, we could be completely rechanging what's going on at the end of season three, you know? So um, it's, it's exciting times to be sort of involved in the Arrow TV show as a viewer uh, but yeah i'm quite happy i think a combination of our ideas would work really really well especially if your ending was the ending of season four would be yeah. quite a good way to sort of bring in an the comic book five. sort of royce addicted to drugs like vertigo yeah. style thing which was kind of hinted at when we first met roy if you remember he was we were never sure whether he was actually staying alone or not because he said he's was his mother was addicted to vertigo and he was trying to steal to get food or whatever yeah, it's, it definitely, yeah. I mean, like, obviously coming from the streets like Roy had, you know, having a character like that in the TV show, there could be, there is that opportunity for a relapse in terms of, like, his old ways, and mm-hmm. especially with how, as we'll talk a wee bit more uh, in the episode, especially how Slade looked at Roy, you know, yeah. his Slade's influence in Roy over the coming sort of episodes could maybe become a decisive factor in, in determining whether or not Roy goes back down to his old roots sort of idea. So yeah. be interesting to see how it rolls out. So yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, let us know your thoughts, how you see Arrow finishing, um, just anything in general on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we can get your questions answered as well. Please do send them because we do love them. And uh, we'll move on. We'll move on to comic section this week. Um, and this week, Ross chose for us Moving Targets, which is a larger book than normal. It's got 10 issues. Um, it's continuing straight away from the storyline that we've been on from last week and the week before and um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean it's like obviously we're we're focused this is like our focusing on this line of of Green Arrow comic books because they're coming one after another it's a continuing storyline and it was quite fitting to start to you know, start our Star and Sight Radio podcast with sort of Quiver or around those couple of episodes, starting with Quiver, and now we're working our way through, and it gives us a chance to sort of see a full story arc of um, of Oliver Queen going through. So obviously, Judge Winnick is still back in the writer's helm with Phil Hester for the first half of Moving Targets uh, as the artist, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, it's um, it's this is like the second the the second volume where they've really been hitting borderline in terms of going really bad and mm-hmm. really good and i mean like the way I, I read moving targets a couple of times over the week just to sort of grasp this because i thought it was quite an interesting sort of book in the sense of what they were trying to achieve like obviously it was really was a, a origin story for speedy you know like how yeah. how mia became speedy and how she convinced green arrow to take her on the job and you know what personal challenges that she'll have to face you know while she's being speedy and uh, but then on the other on the other side of the coin to that though it's actually quite a good contrast of um two different artists on the same storyline yeah. like for the first five issues it was phil hester and then the latter five issues was were issues with tom fowler and you can totally see the difference between the art the artwork and also the difference between the tone of the entire comic book yeah, as well. I, I felt the art, it made the tone, you know, it, it yeah, made the tone in these books. 
Yeah, that's that's the big thing that I sort of read. Well, that kind of saw as well. Like, I think if Phil Hester kept that consistent artwork through the entire book, we might have had a different opinion over to the overall sort of um, idea. But it, for the first five issues of Moving Targets, that's all you really needed. I mean, that's finished at a satisfyingly good end. And then mm. issues six to ten just went off. And, and again, I just blame the artwork for this. Just went off in this kind of weird tangent that just became more fantastical and less gritty and less sort of realistic than what yes. the uh, the previous five issues were i mean like fair enough like you know he's in a bit of a silly costume green arrow with like the hat and oh. you know the, the the tights and all that stuff but phil hester did a really good job of utilizing the shadows and like the sort of the sharp angles of his drawing in order to sort of make him a bit more of a sort of menacing look to green arrow now, was it was it the over. same was it the same writer for the second half Ross was yeah, like it was. first yeah, yeah. so that just shows you that it's not what's written it's the artwork that tells the story yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah it's almost it's, well it's 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 just as like the artwork tells the story just as much as the words yeah. in the page as well you know and and yeah it was exactly the same writer and I'm not too sure why they changed artists through the um through through the two things I'm sure there must have been maybe contractual obligations or whatever to yeah. it but you can tell that like the the story that Judge Winnick was trying to tell in the latter half might have been perceived a bit more sort of realistic and a bit more grittier if Phil Hester had stayed on. And with Tom Fowler coming in with his sort of bright colours, his curve curvy sort of like um uh, artwork and pencil lines with Green Arrow just sort of made everything like look a bit more fantastical and back to sort of the this the camp 60s 70s yeah. of sort of green arrow which was a shame because I, I was really enjoying that artwork leading up to it and and you know and and again like the stories were all right i mean the first half of the story was quite strong i liked how they introduced brick which was like uh he's quite a big sort of green arrow villain and i'm actually quite looking forward to see whether or not arrow will bring in brick because reading reading him again and moving targets made me think that that could be a legitimate contender for a decent villain in arrows, especially with how the TV show's gone gone about, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so obviously Brick um, was kicking about, and that was a really really good sort of way. And then like this, the latter half had some of it. Like obviously Dracon Constantine appeared again, and the Riddler was in it. But it's uh, just the Riddler was again, like I said <laughs> last week about the Riddler, right? <laughs> This is not get them out of Green Arrow. There's no need just because they're roughly the same color outfits. Get them off, and he's not the Joker, which this guy thought he was. Did you not get that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just I didn't really understand like the purpose of it, and and I mean I don't know. I mean I think maybe Phil Hesse might have rescued the, the latter half of this book yeah. by with his artwork, but unfortunately Tom Fowler just didn't seem to be up. I'm not. It was nice artwork, but it just didn't fit. The, the tone and the story that was trying to get told and it was a shame because like you know uh, it was it had some decent setup in the first couple of issues and especially with the big reveal that um, Mia has contracted HIV and you know having DC tackle such a sort of ominous subject um, with a with a sort of comic book character was a really interesting way to do it but I just felt that the artwork let it down a little bit which was which was a shame. You know, it really was, and I I really enjoyed the fact that like Dracon came back. I didn't know he's coming back, so I was it was one of my rare sort of what moments. It's quite cool, and the fact that he kidnapped Arsenal as well and stuff like that was really good. And you know, and I like like the fact that you know Judge Winnick was tackling social uh, social issues with HIV, and he did it quite subtly as well with with some. Is it, I think it's I probably I'll go for Maya like with Maya and. Yeah, I mean, it, it was good, but yeah, just the artwork for the latter half just really was a bit of a letdown. I was 
kind of reading the first issue five or issue six, I was just like, what is going on with this artwork? Like, come on, man. <laughs> I was enjoying that, and it sort of really pulled me out of my um, of the fantasy of being in that world again. But yeah, it's a shame. See, uh, like the the it, it seemed a bit all over the place, which was a shame for me. And like Brick was a good character, like you said, but when the it was like he was working for the Riddler, or it was just like, oh, get the Riddler out of Arrow. Why we had this last time? Yeah, he, he felt for like having the Riddler back in. It kind of felt forced. It kind of felt that maybe Judge Winnig was was actually maybe trying to use this as a way to just tie up the Riddler, and he kind of realised, yeah, I might need to bring him back and just tie it up once and for all, and then uh, we can move on. And it kind of he felt like he'd forced the character in, but the, you know there was there was really no need for that character in. And the other villain was like the Oil Man or Duke of Oil or something or the King of Oil that was in it, and it was just like a bit like what is going on? And you know, I kind of I, I got a couple of issues into the latter half and I was kind of going, man, they really need to have just stuck with this whole brick thing, like watch him build the organised crime back into um, Starland City, uh, Star City, um, after obviously uh, a whole load of the crime bosses uh, died in the in, um, city walls, so you know, I was kind of really looking forward to like watching the city rebuild after that but they seem to have just taken it away with this whole Riddler thing, which was a bit of a shame. Yeah, yeah. I prefer, like like we were discussing last week. I prefer Arrow when it's more like day to day. Like like we said, Arrow's more about his relationships with other people. When this brought it, like it wasn't quite as wacky as like Fire Demons, but you know, it's just it's just like bring it back. And I know they had the whole Mia and the HIV, obviously, which yeah. uh, we found out she had uh, contracted, and they dealt with that sort of. But I just feel like throwing in the Riddler when Brick was a strong enough character in my mind. Um, it just took took a wee bit away from it, uh, wrapping it up or not. That's just what I got from it. Um, yeah, it just ah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it just it felt a wee bit kind of. I don't really know what what they're trying to play with in terms of like how um, yeah, how this is going to work out, and I'm I'm quite intrigued to see how it's going to pick itself up for the the next um, uh, the next batch of issues that we'll be reading uh, in the storyline. So it'll be quite interesting to see what happens then. I wonder if they're going to keep on going with this fantastical stuff, or if they're going to slip back into sort of the Mike Grell esque. Um, sort of gritty realism so be interesting to see it was quite cool though to see sort of um, uh, Maya being introduced to the Teen Titans and like you know seeing the other people out with Star City was quite cool I think you know Batman made an appearance as well for a wee bit which was a wee bit weird you just thought why doesn't Batman just do this then <laughs> um, but yeah it was quite cool seeing like the Teen Titans in it and uh, you know it was an interesting sort of you saw a bit more of the relationship between um uh, Connor and uh, Oliver as well, and obviously Black Canary's broken up with with Oliver. So it'd be interesting to see how that gets tackled in the next book and and see see how it works down. So I'm I'm more kind of like more looking forward to approaching the next book than I am of staying around in this one. Um, so how how many arrows would you fire at this one out uh, of five? I mean, the first half was just really strong, so I don't really want to. Put, I probably have to give it three arrows. That's my yeah. I'm gonna go for three arrows. That was that was enough. And anyone reading it, if you get up to issue five, I'd probably consider just stopping there and maybe just skimming over the the latter half just to find out what's going on. But yeah, three arrows from me. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it less because it kind of put me off. And I was as much as I did like the second art uh, part of the book. I just I really loved that art style from uh, Phil Hester like so much that. 
I was kind of disappointed when it changed. Not that it was bad, so I'm going to give it two out of um, five for this one. Um, I just don't know. I'm hoping it gets a bit stronger again because I'm starting to feel like after all the work like that was put in, uh, especially by um, Mike Grell and the Longbow Hunters before they rebooted Ollie, you know, like because when they, the reboot came, they brought him back to um, just before just before Longbow Hunters, I think it was at the warehouse scene. Yeah, um, or was it just yeah, a, just yeah. around then? So uh, Mike Grell had done work into changing him from the Robin Hood type to like wearing the actual hood, you know, grounded in modern reality, and then that obviously got um, retconned because uh, obviously it, it was brought back to life. So I'm hoping they kind of bring it back to what Grell was going for more than, uh, not that I mind what Kevin Smith and uh, all all the following books have done, you know, but it's just. It's not going the way that I want it, and it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, it is a shame. But uh, I mean, well, on top of that, <clears throat> kind of, you know, move, moving on. I think the the next one it might not be next week we'll be covering it, but the next um, book in store after yeah. uh, Moving Targets is heading into the light, where we'll see uh, we'll see Green Arrow um, battling his foes once again. Um, I think, if I remember rightly, I think this is dealing with the ramifications of uh, identity crisis. So we'll see a lot of familiar villains coming back in after after that uh, amazing storyline. So it'll be interesting to see the fallout from uh, from identity crisis and how that affected uh, Green Arrow. So that'd be quite an interesting uh, an interesting <clears throat> book to read. So I think it's still drawn by Tom Fowler, though I'm I'm, I'm afraid. So uh, we'll keep that out. But yeah, definitely. So heading into the light will be the next one until after. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, targets so yeah yes but i think i think next week we're going to cover um the wonder year by mike mm-hmm. grell um definitely yeah. of, uh, yeah. it's an interesting <clears throat> look um I'll, I'll be rereading it again i have read that book uh and mike mike grell's art styles like i love the art and it and it's it's very political have you tried it yet ross or are you yeah I've, I've, i read it briefly a couple months ago uh, again just like yourself i'm going to, need to jump back in yeah. again it's just it's, it's mike grell's standard artwork which is just fantastic and uh, I'm really looking forward to jumping at it. And I think I think we're it's, it's a deservedly break from the Judge Winnick uh, storyline so far. Not nothing against obviously Judge Winnick, because it is a, a decent storyline so far. But it'll be nice to have another look, another take on the Emerald Archer uh, before we jump back into this sort of the long series run that we're looking at just now. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll hit that up next week, so the Wonder Year. Um, and that's our comic discussion for this week. Um, moving on, we will get on to episode of the week. And uh, this week it was called The Promise, I believe. Yes, The and Promise. Yeah, what an episode it was. Oh, we, so good. <laughs> we, had, we had everything that we could possibly have wanted. Yeah, so badass. And it was one of the greatest shots of my I've ever seen in my entire life happened as well. And I was squealing like something else in the couch beside my friend who was watching at the same time as me. And he was like going, oh, my God, you are literally like a worse fanboy than me. And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> but yeah, I have watched and rewatched this ins and outs of it. And it is it's a great episode, especially coming off the back of a slightly less exciting episode last week. Um, obviously, the Clock King one was, was good. Uh, no, you know, no disregard. But this was all out action. Like, I mean, proper. This, this, like, has set the benchmark in terms of action sequences that should be seen on TV, especially for superhero stuff. It was badass. It was so good. So yeah, um, yeah. The promise kind of it's it was 
quite sort of flashback centric as well. And we finally, um, obviously, the end of the big cliffhanger was um, finding Slade Wilson in Moira Queen's house and Oliver seeing him for the first time since the island. And so we see a wee bit more about that. We see their um, their sort of conversation as uh, they're looking at artwork, and uh, Oliver manages to alert Sarah and Team Arrow to the fact that Slade is still alive. Um, which is also intertwined where we finally see the flashback sequences and quite a lot of our questions are answered as to like how Slade became who he was and what happened to them in the island and all that, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, it was it was good. And finally, we had an episode uh, where uh, we saw the majority of it on the island and we saw what the island flashback should really be about, especially considering that we've had quite a lot of sort of poor flashback episodes it's kind of like what i'm loving about arrow is that every time i start complaining about something about arrow about two episodes later they fix it and it's like yes they're like listening to me somehow <laughs> it's so good so yeah what did you think of this week's episode ali wow it was like it was like a season finale it was like are you kidding this sort of things on tv it felt like a movie that's how it felt explosions everywhere everything was going down it was all building up to a big crescendo you had Slade in 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 the house uh we, we found out later on he was planting cameras which Ollie seemed to miss but I think he was too tense and trying to get somebody on the phone to listen that Slade was there and um, we had the handshake with Roy when he says strong grip and he goes yeah you too we had Slade on island going batshit crazy finally realizing that it was what ollie's part in uh, shadow's death was we had they took over the freighter slade kills the fuck out of everyone is the best yeah, way i can describe so it good. and then there's like the, as i said like i'll bring it back like the greatest shot that i'd ever seen in my entire life was when uh, uh, Sarah's like right we need to get off this freighter so they all jump off then ollie's last to jump off and he thinks he's away and all of a sudden this hand grabs his ankle and just throws him back on the freighter and i was like oh my god this is so good <laughs> <laughs> it was like the greatest moment I've ever seen in TV. Just like it, just at, at the same time, you just saw the um, the desperation from Ollie trying to get off the fair, and you just saw the sheer power and the sheer anger from Slade, or how he just just grabs him from the ankle and just throws this mat, like you know, this fairly big. Uh, guy Oliver just throws him straight back onto the freighter and you just knew right there and then what Oliver was actually up against like at that certain point in time and we finally got a glimpse as to sort of like the first encounter of his proper Mirakuru rage you know he was yeah. like proper on a, on a, sort of on high alert there and it's just oh it was amazing and when especially he, when the bitterness... jump off sorry and Ollie jumped off the side of the freighter to escape and he just was like, come here, you. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the scene, yeah, where he just grabs and throws him right back onto the freighter again. It was just like, that's bloody awesome. And then all of a sudden there was that sort of like uh, great scene where he gets uh, Professor Ivo to sort of show him how he, shot, um, how he shot Shadow and then he cuts his arm off and it was just like, what is going on? <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's, so. I, I, it's very hard to describe such an episode like yeah. that when everything that happened was just uh, I, I watched the whole thing open mouth literally like right up to the end where it was like the final standoff and Diggle had slayed any sights perfect shot lined up and boof Diggle gets knocked out yeah it was it was brilliant man i mean and that like that whole sort of present time thing was was so good because it was great to see and it's raised the question of what happened in the sense that it was great to see like at first you see how sort of like psychotic Slade was on the island to now how calm and 
you know, Cam and carefully was now in the thing. So it's quite an interesting sort of, it'll be an interesting character development if we ever get to see it, to see how Slade went from being total psycho to becoming like calm, cool and collective like he was when he was sitting in Oliver's house. And it's just like for a guy who has to act with one eye, his emotions through that one eye were just amazing. He was like showing like, get it up, you Ollie. I'm here right now. And then he was also, and then when he sees Roy and then he sees Sarah, and it's like his, it's just if all his emotion comes out from this one eye. And you just totally tell the guys like, ah, touche, I better leave this fight now. And it's so good. And uh, it was brilliant. And it's difficult to explain because is like Manu Bennett has shown like how how much of an awesome actor he is considering as I said like he is playing a guy with only one eye and it's you know as not like for, for actors to try and convey emotions like that you know yeah. he's he's like lot you know he's got to do everything through that one eye and it was brilliant and that was a great a great way to see it all and you know we're finally seeing how things are slowly shaping up and it's going to be interesting to find out who actually knocked out Diggle as well like and there's a lot of it was it was nice like this episode opened up a lot of new questions which was refreshing you know we weren't still asking the same old questions beforehand we're now asking more new ones and and that was refreshing you know now we know how Slade and Oliver fell out now we need to find out how Oliver's going to get off the ship are people going to rescue him and now we're asking ourselves who's working with Slade, you know, is he just, are these just minions, is it, is it Cyrus Gold that knocked out Diggle, you know, is it Brother Blood that did it, could he even be the Huntress, you know, you never know, it's like, you know, and it's like, you know, a, a completely new, basically a new door has opened up now on Arrow, and I'm just totally looking forward to next week, especially considering it's a Suicide Squad one, which is just going to be even more I don't even know ah, how I'm going yeah. I'm like, I'm always, I can't even, I have no words. <laughs> well, I can't believe the Suicide Squad is going to be on screen. It's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> so. oh, man, it just look, it looks amazing. Um, and like this week, uh, like there was so much, like see when he said, uh, not yet kid, and shook his hand. And when he was like, um, I made you a promise five years ago, and then it went back. And um, it showed you that he said that I won't kill you. You need to know what it's like for me to lose everything. And he, Ollie's like, yeah, um, you just need to get over it and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, we've, I've learned that the best way to do it is just let it go. And then he turns around and goes, that's not my way of thinking. <laughs> it's like, yes. And then there's also the bit where he's like, I bet you're wondering why your friend Diggle hasn't taken the shot yet. And he's like, oh my God, he knows everything. He literally knows everything. And how is Team Arrow going to do this? Like, And then you open up and you see like his screens and that's when you realize he's bugged the entire house and it just looks like uh it's going to be uh i don't even know how they're going to um how they're going to bring this match up in the next six episodes like i think that's all that's left to to sort of uh to play in the series but yeah it's like <laughs> it's uh, i don't know i'm i'm speechless <laughs> oh, um, man. but we did see a wee teaser um of who 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 may be in the Suicide Squad now? Yeah. Some of them that we know, but there was a certain one that we didn't know about, Russ. Yeah, uh, that got me off guard. Like it really did. And um, it's n- right before we talk any more about this. Right, it, it it's not even been officially acknowledged by the writers, the producers, the network. Like no official source or channel has acknowledged this. So all of this is just purely based on fan theory. However, if you go on YouTube or go on the CW site or wherever, or on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash Radio, you'll see the 30-second promo trailer for the Suicide Squad. If you watch very carefully into that, there's obviously the sort of 
generic standard like pan shot through the prison cells where you sort of see the the various um uh, members of the suicide squad now there's one particular glimpse i mean it's only what half a second ali it must be or yeah, a second yeah. at most a particular glimpse of a very very pale looking female with her back to the camera with blonde hair and pigtails now if i'm not if i don't know my dc characters like i do then that's bloody harley quinn it's got to be yeah. harley quinn like 100 percent. i mean even if it's just an acknowledgement that harley quinn is in the um that's in, in the universe and we just maybe see uh, a clearer uh, nameplate on the cell that says H. Quinn or H. Quinn's Quinn's Quinzenzo. Uh, that, that would do it for me. Yeah, I can't even yeah. say that word. But yeah, <laughs> if we just see like just an acknowledgement that that's her cell and she's actually exists in this universe, that's enough for me. That's like the first major step that Arrow has taken to, to sort of acknowledge a, a main um, DC character. You know, obviously... You know, now that they've acknowledged Harley Quinn, that now opens the door that uh, are we now in the same universe that uh, the Joker's going to be? You know, I'm not saying like be introduced in the TV show, but I'm just saying are we now in the same universe of the Joker? Are we the same universe as Batman? You know, it's now, uh -huh. now that would be a channel, a door that they've opened up into. You know, I mean, fair enough, we know we're in the same universe as the Flash, but right now we don't really know that we're in the same universe as Batman. You know, I mean, obviously we know we are, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, officially we don't know if Batman exists yet. So, like having that one wee door open that's opening up to another side of superheroes and another city almost you know gotham city so it's quite interesting and i mean there have been rumors and there's a twitter account going around that um was tweeting quite a wee bit and it was an act an actress uh, quite a not not a well-known actress like quite sort of low out low end she was saying that she's had talks with arrow writers which were then uh, immediately deleted but nobody really knows uh, whether or not that was just a troll or if it was actually anything to be done however uh, it would be great to see harley quinn on the screen like it really would be or a version of harley quinn would be quite interesting it'd be well, quite interesting to see where she would fit in terms of her history with the joker and stuff you know a, lo a lot of people are saying oh it can't happen they can't get harley quinn but if anybody knows bird of birds of prey which is kind of getting an arrow crossover um then well the can of Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn appeared in Birds of Prey, so the character's up for grabs because she doesn't seem like she's going to be needed immediately because that would take a standalone Batman film, I reckon, rather than making her a villain for Batman and Superman. Um, but why can't Arrow have her? Why couldn't that be Harley Quinn? And I mean, a blonde girl with two pigtails, yeah. Yeah, well, I, well, the thing is, though, is that like that's such an iconic sort of look. Uh, yeah, yeah. in the DC universe that you know there's nobody else I can think of that has blonde hair and pigtails that, that no. would be anywhere that would be associated with Argus and associated with Suicide Squad and also in the new 52 Harley Quinn is actually one of the members of the Suicide Squad as I, I mentioned a few uh, episodes beforehand so and she had a relationship with Deadshot so you know like yeah because yeah, Harley Quinn and Deadshot were were boyfriend and girlfriend actually in uh, the Suicide Squad because Joker went missing for like a year and in that year Harley Quinn joined the Suicide Squad so in the comic book she's part of the Suicide Squad so why can't they have Harley Quinn even referenced or acknowledged because you know I'm pretty sure the Suicide Squad would have like a whole load of people um to be part of the squad but they might only send out a certain amount of few so you know why why couldn't it be like a a, a clipboard with harley quinn's name on it you know along with other villains that are in the dc universe that were also part of the you know no, we could even that. see it we, we want harley quinn full on screen that's what that's the way to do it you harley quinn harley and captain quinn. boomerang that'd be awesome <laughs> <laughs> oh man boomerang it was actually made quite cool in identity crisis i think 
Well, um, I suppose that's 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 more a flash thing, I suppose, with Captain Boomerang. But even like the yeah. likes of even knowing that like Captain Cold is kicking about would just <laughs> blow my mind to to just it was like like I I'm quite sort of like um easy to please with Arrow in the sense that all I would look for is just an acknowledgement. You know, obviously you're wanting to see an actress play the character Harley, Harley Quinn yep. on screen. For me, I would just be as content as just seeing like as simple as her name written on a clipboard, you know, uh, just for that acknowledgement that she's around. Which another reason why this is um this whole sort of rumor is getting fueled up quite uh, majorly as well is that um if you give us two six there's an episode i think it's episode 19 just right. to say, yeah episode 19 the uh, mark guggenheim the uh, executive producer has mm-hmm. refused to announce the, the uh, title because he's waiting for a special announcement for the name of episode 19 ah. which means that it could be a character name that could be in it because reason i'm saying this is that it was also recently announced that episode 20 is called That's seeing right. red so which i i read and instantly thought roy's gonna go ape shit in that episode mm-hmm. That's what I thought as well, definitely. So obviously, if episode 19 is yet to be revealed their uh, episode title because of a special announcement, could that have some sort of um, connection with Harley Quinn? Could it be Nightwing? Could it be... Because again, Nightwing hasn't really been officially sort of acknowledged either. So it'd be quite interesting to see how this pulls off. And again, remember, guys, this is all speculation and our sort of opinions and rumors and stuff like that. None of this is yet to be officially announced. But still, it's really interesting to see that an Arrow TV show is actually um, toying with them um, with these sort of main characters that people know yeah. about. So, Well, like I said, they've done it in Birds of Prey. So, and the fact that they've shown you this flash, it might turn out not to be Harley Quinn. That might have just been a one-off. Like, that's all we see and that's it. We're just to guess. But because they've already used Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey, it says to me that she could be used um, completely. Well, I don't think she ever went completely Harley Quinn. I think she was Harley Quinn's L, and um, she was more a psychiatrist. Whereas this one, obviously, it's a blonde woman, pigtails, in a prison garb for our. Uh, she's in the, uh, the prison. So uh, the fact that they've done that says to me episode 19 could be called something as Who Has the Last Laugh or something like that. Could even be some, uh, yeah, or it could be um, a little pudding would be one yeah. or something. That would be oh, yeah, yeah. But just, just to imagine, Ali, for a minute, imagine like just just sitting there watching Arrow and then you're in like a jail cell and um, uh, Amanda Waller's talking away and then all of a sudden yeah. in the background you hear Harley Quinn's voice. You hear that Brooklyn kind of New york naive voice, man. I would just hit the roof. <laughs> Mind you, I've, I've, my, my roof's already broken with the times I've hit that roof because of Arrow, but still, I would hit that roof so much I'd go into space. <laughs> be ridiculous. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, again, what what's so good about this thing? And again, I have these sort of discussions with folk who who don't really prefer Arrow over some other superhero shows that are out there. And like, you know, I kind of sit there and say to myself, kind of going, we're only in season two of Arrow out of five, right? Imagine, like, I mean, again, I would have laughed in your face if you went back in time and told me at season one, episode one of Arrow, that we'd be discussing the possibility of Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad, you know? <laughs> I tell you, you were crazy that that would never happen. So... <laughs> God knows what's going to happen by the time the end of season five when this uh, TV show finally wraps up. But yeah, um, it's good. And again, like it's setting up for an absolutely action-packed, um, uh, an action-packed show next week as well. And it's going to be interesting. And to to bring us back to the promise, I mean, again, we're just so speechless about how good that show was, um, that that episode was. That um, 
Yeah, I mean, if, if we could rate, I suppose the, the reason why we don't rate the episodes is because we'll give them five stars anyway. But, mm-hmm. but still, um, it was just a fantastic episode as well, and it's it's a must see, especially if you're sort of getting a wee bit annoyed about the fact that there weren't any question, the questions weren't getting answered about like who Slade is and why why did Slade and Ollie get to the point that they are? Well, this episode finally answers all those things, and and you finally get to see Slade lose it and. Um, it's just, I wonder what's going to happen next in the, in the island. And uh, again, we're only year two of the island, or coming up to the end of year two of the island. So yeah. we still have three years on that island to cover. So And there's well, more people on the island now because of this episode. Exactly. Yeah, that's another thing as well. There's, um, I think uh, I think that Thomas Flynn guy, he managed to survive. And also the Henrik von Arnhem guy, uh, the guy that tried to strangle Sarah. I think they yeah. were the two guys that survived, along with, obviously, the, the badass Russian. So, and the pri- all the prisoners survived, basically, yeah. Was it all of them? Yeah, I thought... Basi- uh, as, yeah, aye. I'd say basically all of them, because when it goes back, all you see is uh, the remaining prisoners of all either... St- half of them left, but they all survived, more or less, um, because Slade says, this is now my ship, which I think, if you listen back to Starling City Radio listeners, I did call, I did say I thought Slade was going to take over the freighter. Um, and I, I just had a feeling that at that point it was going to be him. Like, I've got a feeling that Roy, uh, Oliver's going to be left on the island um, by himself because of the way it ends. Um, he, he's he's by himself. He's got his beard. He's got his long hair. Like we've seen in episode one, him getting off the island, he was alone. There was no one with him, and he set a fire on the beach, and the boat sees him. So something tells me that Sarah and Deathstroke are got Slade, Deathstroke are going to leave they're going to leave Ollie by himself and I don't know how it's going to come about. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting and especially with the fact that there's going to be more people on this island that will bring up this fact that will they bring in this outsider's war thing that's getting explored in the comic books where um, I've I've mentioned this I think in every episode so far um, is the the fact that in the comic books in the New 52 anyway the island is split into four tribes um, and you've got like the spear tribe, the shield tribe, the sword tribe and the arrow tribe I think it is so will we see something similar happen between the prisoners maybe they'll start having their own sort of many factions uh, all of them trying to survive in this yeah. island so be quite interesting and also as you said we we opened up in season one with oliver on his own with his long beard and all that stuff so it also brings up the question going what's going to happen to all these people on this island you know like what happened now now we know what happened to slade and what happens to him now we need to find out what's happened to sarah uh, and what's happened to the russian guy so and and like like we're, you're saying about the encampments that could all still happen but we've also got to think we haven't actually explored the whole island we've only seen the caves and a bit of the forest what if on the other side like we talked about before there was the whole year one style of story where there's mercenaries growing drugs which could be turned out that the reason that that's being grown there is because they're manufacturing the miracle drug and the reason that the um dr ivo and the boat had to come there is because that's the main supply sort of thing so it could turn into a whole year one thing could go yeah. through the whole outsider story we don't know there's three whole years left of this tv show yeah, it's it could be awesome. Hell, Oliver could even end up on another island. Like, Slade oh, could yeah. just drop him off somewhere else yeah. or exile him in the middle of the ocean and then he might just find himself like somewhere else, you know? You never yeah. know. But still, as you said, there's three years left on the island. There's three more um, seasons left of, of Arrow. So um, there's the, the writers have quite a, lot of, uh, quite a lot of leeway in terms of what they can do. And it's just... No, honestly, the only negative I have is that I want to find out everything that's going on right this very second, and I don't think I can wait the next three years for it. But still, um, yeah, it's setting up again, and I think um, 
I think we've I think we've passed the lull of the latter half of season two, and I think we're going to slowly build up and build up now until the crescendo that will be the the season finale of season two. So yeah, uh, it's it's looking good, guys. And if you have yet to get yourself onto Arrow, then I don't even know why you're listening. Just yeah. go away. <laughs> Just go away. Yeah, Lost interest anymore? Go away. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. So when the TV discussion there, like we keep saying, it gets better and better every week. And um, Ross is going to tell us a little bit more now about um, Professor Ivo. Yes, well, I mean, he had quite a, um, uh, he had quite quite an interesting end to last episode, Professor Ivo did. So I thought it was quite fitting to to pull the other arm and uh, and have a wee uh, have a wee discussion about him. Uh, obviously, pull the other arm is a joke because he got his arm cut off, but. It's cool. You've been a good audience. But anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, uh, Professor Ivo is um, uh, an interesting character, to say the least. He's basically like a sort of mad super science genius that worked for LexCo for a while. Now, the majority of you guys will be familiar with him uh, in Arrow as quite sort of looking as quite sort of a handsome young fellow on the uh, uh, on, on the TV show. However, if you do some research and some digging like I did today, you'll find some interesting pictures of Professor Ivo, which I will post up on our Facebook page after the episode, right? There is one specific one where he is literally melting his face off to prove a point, and he says, this is the reason, with somebody just saying, dear God. But yeah, <laughs> he's been given quite a lot of makeovers over uh, the comic book style things uh, to the point where he gets himself immortality. So we'll bring it back a wee bit and I'll just go through a brief uh, character biography of the, the character himself and then we'll talk about sort of the pieces of work. He's famous for one specific thing, which is quite an interesting thing to talk about. So anyway, so Anthony Ivo, as we all know, he grew up with a fear of uh, death, a you know, crippling fear of death to the point where like uh, the thought of losing anyone and losing his own life, to, uh, he decided not to attend his mother's own funeral because death is just that scary towards him. So avoiding death became his life obsession. So he ended up like studying cybernetics and he soon became sort of the employee of the criminal organization Locus, where he sort of gained new insights through uh, the dissections of certain Appalachians, which again, this is proper convoluted DC stuff, so don't worry too much about that stuff. But using his knowledge in cybernetics and the funding that he got from LexCorp through specific iterations of Professor Ivo, uh, he then created the uh, cybernetic called Amazo. And Amazo is probably the greatest robot that has ever lived in DC comic history because Amazo um, replicates and copies the powers and abilities of anyone he looks at. He doesn't need to like touch or injure or kill anyone. He just needs to look at them and he remembers them. So all Professor Ivo needs to do is have Amazo look at the real-life Superman and he gets Superman's powers. So he stores them as well. So it gets a certain point in one of the storylines where Amazo has a super power, the super abilities of like Superman, Flash, Green Lantern, Batman, Cyborg, um, I think a couple of the villains as well. Razal Ghul, I think, was one as well that he had. So basically, Batman and Batman had to take down Amazo, uh, and he was up against basically like everybody in this one robot, and it was quite badass. So Amazo is quite quite awesome and. Amazo, you might know, might be familiar with through the Justice League cartoons because he usually appears. He's kind of like one of those uh, villains that they just throw in when they, they can't find anyone else to sort of beat the Justice League. When they think they're getting a bit too cocky, they'll throw in Amazo, and that usually 
buck, knocks him up a wee bit. But yeah, um, he is quite an interesting character, just purely because of his like sort of fear of dying and his sort of like the cybernetic thing that did create a Maisel. He also created Red Volcano and Tomorrow Woman. Tomorrow Woman's quite quite hilarious. Uh, she's looks quite cool actually as well. Um, and Red Volcano also is quite badass. He looks like sort of Darkseid, but well, Darkseid, but. Um, more sort of volcano, volcano like. Uh, he would also eventually find a potion of immortality, but the immortality would be the cost of his skin as it would grow scaly and crusted, as I explained previously. So, yeah, when I'll post up these uh, pictures of uh, Professor Ivo, you'll understand why he's gone all scaly. And uh, obviously, he sees that as a viable. Um, negative or downside to take on in order for him to cure his fear of dying by becoming immortal. Um, Ivo would, however, discover that the stone-like skin wasn't a side effect, but the entire purpose of the potion. The potion was a slowly turning him into a living statue of perpetual pain. Uh, shit sucks. Uh, shit sucks, doesn't it? It's like fucking shit. Um, mm. So uh, he basically. He gets cured by Guy Gardner after a while, which um, I read that issue and it just didn't make any sense whatsoever. So Guy Gardner manages to cure him. Um, but then because he's scared of dying, he then drinks the same potion again. Like, it was really... It, yeah, it, the, like, Professor Ivo, like, his... It's like this crippling fear of dying is just, like, ridiculously stupid. So, like, he gets cured and he's like, oh, man, I'm still scared of dying. I'm just taking that potion again. And he just goes <laughs> for it, man. And he's just, like, and again has this scaly skin and he just gets to the point where it's, like, half and half for a while. And uh, it's just... He's just a absolutely crazy Egypt, man. It's hilarious, man. But, yeah, I mean... Like, there isn't, I mean, like, Professor Ivo is, like, one of those characters where, like, uh, he doesn't really have a lot of powers and abilities. He's just more of a criminal mastermind, um, and he's right into cybernetics. And Lex Luthor uses him quite a lot in order to sort of, like, create some cybernetic stuff, you know. And as I said, Amazo is his major sort of um, creation, uh, which is fantastic, you know. And as I said, like, Amazo is literally the best thing that's ever been on uh, the Justice League cartoons. It's really good. If you need, he's been in the Justice League Unlimited a couple of times. Um... That's that's the thing I was trying to think of, which I got confused there. Um, Under the Red Hood, the animated uh, film, yeah. Amazo is what they fight uh, at the start, where Batman and Nightwing team up, and uh, they're trying to take him down. Yeah, I don't know if you remember right at the start, where they're sort of in the dockyards, and they're kicking oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's Amazo. And also, Amazo is the name of the freighter that Slate has just taken in The Promise. So there you go. There's some sort of like references to Amazo as well um, in the entire uh Arrow universe as well as the DC universe as well, um, yeah. So that's that's my sort of like roundup of Professor Ivo. He is kind of he's an interesting character to sort of look into. There's not much to um, to look into the whole thing, but like his fear of dying is quite hilarious, and he does have some sort of key uh, sort of moments, especially when he just drinks the potion again, which is quite funny. Um, that's ridiculous. It's like a child. You know, don't drink that. Okay. And then they keep like looking at it for like I just imagine the panels with his eyes going from left to right, waits till the door shut, and then drinks again dead fast. Yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant, man. And I mean like he's he's a guy that I haven't really um seen too much in my entire sort of look through the thing. I actually had to like source out a specific um issues for him but it was an interesting take though for arrow to to utilize someone like professor rival you know and and i think for and i think like the mirakuru idea and his sort of search for um the sort of uh, immunity um 
invincibility potion uh, in the comic books mirrors quite well and it'd be interesting to see whether or not maybe maybe Slade forces him to take the Mirakuru because he, it was his arm and then that might start some sort of crazy obsession with it and we might even see him later on in the uh, in the series but yeah basically um, he is he's an interesting character and I, again he's just hilarious the fact that he wants his immortality serum and he when he gets it his skin falls off and then when he uh, Guy Gardner cures him, he just takes it again, which is quite hilarious. But yeah, that's my roundup of Anthony Ivo. Um, again, I just want to say to everyone about the character descriptions, if you guys have a specific character that might just be DC Universe related, I'll be more than happy to do a wee rundown for you guys, because uh, I like doing all that stuff. But yeah, there we go. That's what I said. And I've, I've sent you that thing. Yeah, yeah uh, I've seen the I... picture of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite hilarious. But I'll post that picture up on Facebook as well so people can see what Professor Ivo actually looks like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's Ross's uh, character dissection this week. Like we said, uh, if there's any you want him to cover, fire it up on the Facebook or Twitter and uh, let us know any questions you have and we'll cover them too. Um, and I think we'll finish up this week then. It's been a good show. So... Um, Basically, uh, we're just going to do some plugs. I think that's about it. So, Ross, what would you like to plug this week? Yeah, um, you can catch up with all things SCR, uh, Starland City Radio, over at our website, uh, starlandcityradio.tk. You can also find us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. Feel free to follow us on Twitter, at Starling Radio, and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Starling Radio. We are also now part of the Comics Podcast Network. And also part of the All Games Network as well. So you can find us there on a Friday evening, I think. So, yep, uh, starnsetradio.tk, Twitter at Starling Radio. So, yeah, get following and get listening. Yeah, indeed. And um, we've also got Speed Force podcast, uh, new episodes going up soon. Uh, And um, we, we might have a wee special guest for next week's show. Uh, so stay stay posted on facebook and twitter for more information on that but i'm sure everybody will enjoy it uh and yeah next week uh the wonder year green arrow the wonder year is what we're going to be reading um so um last week we dug the dig and this week we we didn't mention him too much uh but i've got a quote for ross anyway take it away okay <clears throat> you think justice is something that can be bought blackmailed killed you're wrong. Justice is an arrow, and I've made one just for you. Just for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially for you. Okay, guys, um, thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Uh, I've been Ali, he's been Ross, and you've been beautiful. Bye now. Bye.